I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Uncork summer with the 2020 vintage of Babylon's Turin's Mouvaldre Rosé, an elegant dry rosé from our gardens in South Africa. Visit thenewt.co.uk forward slash RHS to learn more. Hello, I'm Alan Titchmarsh, and at the RHS, we know just how powerful gardens can be. Hi, I'm Sarah Eberly, and you know, this would have been my sixth consecutive RHS Chelsea Flower Show as a designer. Hello, I'm Charlotte Harris, and along with Hugo Bog, I'm the co-designer of the M&G Garden for RHS Chelsea 2020. We know how our garden can transform your home. It can also transform you as a person. Today on the RHS Gardening Podcast, we're at the world's greatest flower show. Well, sort of. This year, we've taken the show online for the first time ever, and we're in very good company. I'm delighted to be able to share with you a message received from our patron, Her Majesty the Queen, this morning. On the occasion of the opening of the virtual Chelsea Flower Show 2020, my family and I have always enjoyed visiting the show, and I know that your members and supporters will be disappointed that they will be unable to attend in person this year. As patron of the Royal Horticultural Society, I was pleased to hear that you will be providing gardening advice and virtual sessions on your website. I'm Catherine Potsides, and as the head of show's development at the RHS, I'm responsible for making sure the show is the highlight of every gardener's calendar. Whether you're used to visiting in person or watching the show on television, Chelsea offers the very best in horticulture. We're talking spectacular show gardens, delightful new plant varieties, and influential individuals who inspire the green-fingered all over the world. And Virtual Chelsea, sponsored by M&G, is no different. While we can't be at London's Royal Hospital Chelsea in person this week, the online schedule is packed full of gardening delights. We've been really lucky this year to have some contributions from the most amazing garden designers, and they're giving you a sneak peek behind the scenes in their own gardens. It's incredible to see what they get up to in their own spaces and what plants bring them great joy and delight at this time. We've got some wonderful videos from our growers telling you all about their favourite plants this time of year. Rosie Hardy from Hardy's Cottage Garden Plants talks you through her top 10 perennials for the season. Some fantastic choices there. But there's everything from propagating house plants to growing your own chilies. So do get involved and learn from our growers. 
So when you finish listening to the podcast, do head online to rhs.org.uk forward slash virtual Chelsea, where you can catch up on everything that's been released so far this week with lots more to come on Friday and Saturday. I'm excited to be your guest presenter this week and to take you on a behind the scenes tour of the virtual extravaganza. We'll be peeking inside the floral marquee to get top tips from some gardening greats, delving into the show's unique history and finding out how plants intended for Chelsea help one man's fight against COVID-19. Since realising the show would be moving online, I wanted the focus to be on sharing gardening knowledge, everything from wildlife gardening to growing plants indoors. And who better to ask about this timely task than Studio Rocco, a duo who specialise in transforming spaces with greenery. In 2020, we were so excited to have a new houseplant studio area in the Chelsea Flower Show. And sadly, it's not come to fruition. So I'm so pleased that we've had Rose and Carrie taking part in this year's online show. I wanted to hear more from them about their business and what they have planned for Chelsea 2020. Hi, my name is Caro and I'm one half of Studio Roco and we're a biophilic design studio based between London and Margate. Hi, I'm the other half of Roco. I'm called Rose. Biophilia is the idea that because humans are animals and we've evolved in nature, that we kind of, we are nature and that we need nature in our lives in order to thrive. So we basically try and bring nature indoors for people, mainly in the city, you know, open plan workspaces or hotels. So bringing beautiful tropical plants in. I think the plants kind of act as a sort of antidote to the very digital nature of an office space. They really do sort of excite the senses, whether it's smell or touch or just how they look. So I think it's about just like feeling human and feeling, not to sound really sort of cliche, but feeling very present and noticing your surroundings. I think another reason people are so invested in plants at the moment is that because young people can't afford to buy their own flat often, I think it's sort of this really lovely way to invest in your interior without having to spend loads of money. You can get something small on your windowsill and it just gives you something to look at and you can see those new leaves growing and feel that satisfaction of caring for something and and connection to something living and growing. For this year's Chelsea Flower Show, we had planned to create a sort of homage to Derek Jarman and his cottage, Prospect Cottage, which is on the coast of Kent in Dungeness, so not too far from where we are. Derek Jarman was a filmmaker and artist and gay activist, so he was producing films in, I think, the 80s, and he was diagnosed with HIV and he moved to moved to Dungeness and sort of created his cottage, Prospect Cottage in the garden. There's some snowdrops out at the moment and marigolds are out still. I grow quite a lot. It's quite a beautiful garden in its own way and like no other. He kept journals of his experience and his feelings and and he made films about his feelings around, you know, AIDS and how gay people were being treated. But ultimately created this beautiful garden. The sun comes up at the front of the house and it goes down at the back. 
and I see the sun all day if it's there. I'm fairly far back from the sea, but I can see the sea, and the sea, the great thing about the sea is it changes every colour you could imagine. I've seen the sea pink and brown and aquamarine and black. <laughs> We were inspired, I think, essentially by the aesthetic of it. He was able to plant things like poppies and flowers that most people would never have thought to plant, you know, in a coastal area. And he kind of showed that you could create something quite unexpected in this quite bleak landscape. So we were kind of drawing from him and his, you know, his aesthetic and his, his ideas around gardening being sort of very free. And um, he says that his boundaries are the horizon. When you go to Dungeness, you see the gardens, like there's no fences, there's no boundaries. You can just stand and you can just see the entire landscape as one. We'd originally planned to make a miniature prospect cottage with our houseplant studio, a studio space which would show how plants can inspire productivity and creativity, but also can help you to feel grounded and um, relaxed. So it was mainly going to be tropical plants, but also we wanted to bring propagation into it, so we were going to have lots of cuttings of vines, like pothos. It was going to be a real mix, I think. Yeah, we were so excited to do it. It's a real shame that it hasn't happened. Hopefully next year we can bring elements of that. <laughs> For Virtual Chelsea, we have created a propagation tutorial video. It's, a, it's three different propagation techniques, division, stem cuttings, and succulent leaf propagation. And basically it's the kind of three of the easiest and um, quickest techniques for multiplying and sharing your houseplants. For so many people who don't have an outdoor garden at the moment are really feeling it. And um, we kind of wanted to create a video for the people who, who are trying to make an indoor garden for themselves at the moment and maybe want to multiply their plants or, you know, maybe they're able to share plants with friends by dropping them off on their doorsteps or something. I think the top tip I would give for people who are, have maybe got lots of plants or are buying more plants at the moment would be really to pay attention to the light because I think at this time of year, May's quite a strange month where it's, you know, anything can happen. But I think it, you can suddenly get quite harsh, strong light. And I think if your plant's getting lots of natural light, it's probably going to need a lot more water. If you've put a plant somewhere a little bit shadier, you might want to hold off on the watering. And then always, always check the soil before you water. What we normally do is the finger trick, so stick your, your finger up to your second knuckle into the top of the soil. And if you can feel any moistness, don't water. As soon as it's really bone dry and you really can't feel any dampness at all, then you know you can water. Rose Ray and Carol Langton on turning urban spaces green. Their propagation tutorial will be available on the virtual Chelsea website from Saturday. I've helped plan five Chelsea flower shows since working for the RHS, but none has ever quite been like this. It's been a really busy few weeks preparing for this year's online event, and we've really enjoyed putting together some of the most amazing stories from around horticulture, and that's what the Chelsea show is all about. 
in this year and in any other. So normally about this time of year, we will have just given out medals to all the garden designers. And that is one of the biggest privileges of the job is seeing people's successes and um, obviously being able to reward them for their most amazing creations that they do each year at the show. One of my favourite Chelsea memories, though, which really highlights the spirit of the industry and the spirit of horticulture actually came from last year. One of our floral exhibitors, Stella Exley from Hairspring Cottage Garden Plants, sadly fell over as she was creating her exhibit and ended up breaking both of her wrists. She ended up in hospital during show week, which was a huge, huge shame as her exhibit actually won a silver gilt medal from the judges. But what really made this moment special and a fantastic Chelsea memory in my mind was the involvement of other exhibitors. Some of the other exhibitors in the pavilion all came together. And what happened was they all put her stand together. They finished off primping and preening the plants, you know, making them look perfect, misting, mossing, all the usual excitement that goes in. And I think it really embodied what Chelsea is all about. Every single person who comes to put on an exhibit at Chelsea wants the best for themselves, but also the best for everyone there. And I think it is a huge celebration of the horticultural industry and everyone getting together. That's what makes Chelsea really, really special this year and every other year. It's amazing to see how many plants come into Chelsea and also how many leave. One of my favourite sites of Chelsea Week is the great big sell-off that happens on the Saturday when you see people walking to the tube station or bundling into taxis with piles and piles of plants from the exhibits. It's a really exciting site. And last year we saw over 8,000 of the perennials from the show go to community projects and schools around the London area, which is a fantastic thing to see. And it's the plants in particular that I want to talk about next. As the event was cancelled late into the year, most of the greenery that was going to be used in the show gardens was ready to go into the ground. Sadly, unless new homes were found, most of it would end up going to waste. However, RHS gold medal winning designer Tom Massey had a truckload of organically grown plants for his Chelsea garden that he didn't want to end up in landfill. So he set about donating them. And it was in finding them new homes that he discovered the real healing power of plants. So the garden at Chelsea Flower Show would have been an organic meadow style planting. Lots of different colourful perennials and grasses, lots of different types of trees and a real range of habitats um, ranging from wetland to woodland to open meadow. The whole garden was designed to encourage wildlife, encourage biodiversity, attract pollinators, support bees, and every single plant for the garden was organically grown as well by the nursery Hortus loci. So when Chelsea was cancelled, we were at the point of being ready to go, really. We had everything, all the plants had been grown, all the trees had been tagged and sourced. So we really were ready to start on site all the plants that we had grown, we've donated about 4,000 of them to hospitals. Plants are perishable goods, so we didn't want them all to go to waste. You know, we were just thinking about hospitals and how often they're quite bleak and lacking in any colour or kind of nature. So we we decided to try and and organise some drops to hospitals. 
The first one that we did was to Derriford Hospital in Plymouth and I managed to get down there just before the lockdown and plant up a courtyard for the ICU department. So that's been being used by ICU patients throughout this time. And one man actually said that the first time that he came out of a weeks-long coma was when he was wheeled out into the garden and he felt the sun on his face and he, he could see plants and insects. And, you know, he kind of, he said that was the first step towards his recovery. My name is Merlin Hambry Tennyson. I'm the son of Robin Hambry Tennyson, who recently came out of Derriford Hospital after seven weeks recovering from COVID-19. So he started to feel ill on the Friday, which I think was sometime around the 14th or 15th of March, and was feeling a bit lethargic, was a bit off his food, and was starting to feel a bit short of breath, but nothing to be too worried about. Then on the Saturday, he started to feel really fluy, like he had a bad cold, uh, dry hacking, persistent cough, slightly raised temperature, breathlessness. So on the Sunday, he spent all day in bed uh, and really couldn't get out of bed at all. And so by the Monday morning, my wife, my mother and I realized that he um, was becoming really unwell. We'd begun to hear about coronavirus at the time. It was still quite early on for people to hear about it in the UK. But we phoned 111 and they sent an ambulance and he was taken away that evening. Next thing I knew, I was uh, in intensive care in Derriford, where I spent most of the next seven weeks coming out of in and out of consciousness with sedation delirium and all sorts of fun things. My name is Robin Hanbury Tennyson, and I'm an old explorer. We would phone the hospital three or four times every day to speak to the nurses and the doctors to try and see if there was any improvement or just to get an update on his condition. And on each of those, we'd try and speak to him as well. He was unconscious and couldn't respond, but they always say that people in, in um, induced comas might be able to hear you. And three times, different doctors said to us, look, it's looking really not particularly positive. We may have to have a difficult conversation quite soon and you should expect to perhaps not be having good news and to be prepared to say goodbye. So we knew that he was really as close to death as you can get. We were incredibly lucky that Derriford Hospital is able to take patients who are in an ICU and uh, take them to a, a small secret garden that they have in the hospital where they can feel the sunlight on their face and breathe unfiltered air and see blue sky and be surrounded by a bit of greenery. So after a few days of trying to wake him up and really struggling with it, they wheeled his bed out. Great big hospital bed with tubes going in all directions and saline drips and four nurses all pushing this uh, extraordinary contraption with me on it, lying back with mouth open. And when he got there, that was the first time that he opened his eyes, uh, looked up at the sky and began to look like himself again. Between the flowers and the plants on raised beds, into a shaft of sunlight which struck my face, that I do remember very clearly waking up and seeing that I was in a garden and saying, I, now I know I'm going to live. It was a massive moment in his recovery and, and I have no doubt and he now now has no doubt as well that it was the moment when he stopped um, dying and started recovering. It was mind-blowing. I honestly believe, and I think he would say the same, that if he had been in a hospital um, where they didn't have the ability to take him into a garden, in his condition, at his age, and with everything that his body had been through with coronavirus, I don't think he would have pulled through. There must be spaces in every hospital where you could tuck a garden in. 
putting it next to the um, intensive care unit is going to help other people come out and recover like I did. I'm not just thankful, I'm, I'm overwhelmed that I'm alive and I'm here and so grateful to my family who pushed all the way. And um, one of the things, manifestations, is that you get emotional. So forgive me if I suddenly burst into tears. Uh, my family keeping in touch and chasing everybody and talking to me. And the incredible nurses. I mean, how they put up with dreadful old farts like me. And I just felt so safe in such good hands. Being able to come home, to be surrounded by a garden that he's planted and grown himself, watching trees that he's seen grow for 60 years, it was hugely, hugely beneficial to his health. It was really nice to hear that, that, you know, the small donation that we made to this hospital had a big impact in, in one man's recovery. One of the things that people have been experiencing is feeling quite powerless during this crisis and, and having no control over lockdown or, you know, having no control over being able to go to work. So trying to make a small difference during this time, you know, it's really rewarding to hear that that small donation that we made with Yo Valley uh, has made a big difference and will hopefully make a difference to other people's recoveries or, or people just even using the hospital spaces. It might give them a bit of a glimmer of hope to see a, a nice area of planting or some bright and colourful plants. You can hear more from Tom and how to grow organically tomorrow as part of Virtual Chelsea Flower Show online at rhs.org.uk forward slash virtual Chelsea. With everything going on at the moment, it's good to know that the plants destined for this year's show can still bring some magic to people's lives. And throughout Chelsea's 117-year history, the magic of gardening has always been at its heart. But of course, the show wouldn't happen without the people behind the scenes. One of the most exciting parts of the Chelsea Show Week is, of course, when Her Majesty the Queen comes to visit with the royal family. Monday evening is usually the time of their visit, it's part of the long history and the tradition of Chelsea Flower Show. And this is something that Fiona Davidson, our head of libraries, knows all about. I asked Fiona, who you might recognise as our usual podcast host, to take us into the RHS archives to learn more about the history and the origins of the show. So the Chelsea Flower Show as we know it, we can take that back to 1913, which was the first time that the RHS staged what it then called its great spring show at Chelsea but really rapidly everybody just called it the Chelsea Flower Show. But before that that's not the first time that the RHS had flower shows they'd been having flower shows since the 1820s at their gardens but by the start of the 20th century they were looking for a large central London venue to really showcase the best in gardening and the Chelsea showground at the Royal Hospital really fitted the bill. They trialled it at the 1912 International Horticultural Exhibition and that had gone so well that then from that point on they wanted their big annual set-piece show to be at Chelsea. And it's been going there ever since, just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and becoming more and more of a, an international event. 
Obviously, this year's a very strange year, but that's not the first time that the Chelsea Flower Show's not been staged. In fact, since 1913, this will be the 10th time that there's been no Chelsea Flower Show. The other times were all wartime related. Well, this is the first time it's ever been suspended in peacetime. So if you were to travel in time and go back to 1913, the main thing that you would notice is the show was a lot smaller, far fewer exhibitors. And far fewer show gardens. Show gardens now dominate all the headlines to do with Chelsea. They get all the press attention. It's where all the glitz and the glamour is. But the first Chelsea Flower Show had only four show gardens. And the other thing that you would notice about those gardens is, going back in time, there were overwhelmingly rock gardens. Rock gardens were a big thing, dating back from the Edwardian times. And in fact, the first show gardens before Chelsea were rock gardens, but in fact, they were miniature rock gardens. They were little tabletop gardens with little tiny miniature rocks and miniature plants. But the heyday of the rock garden ended by about the 1950s. It's really hard to pick favourites and I'm kind of drawn to the gardens that were significant because they broke new ground. So I think if I was forced to pick out a garden as being particularly interesting, I'd go for John Brooks Garden in 1962, which he did for the Landscape Architects Institute. It was a modernist garden. It had concrete planters, It had lots of architectural features and what we now know as architectural planting, large, spiky-leaved foliage plants. And it was a world away from the rather chintzy, kind of suburban-style gardens that had been all the rage beforehand. And that blast of modernism, it really stands out as being a very crisp and modern garden. It's really hard to put your finger on kind of one thing that makes Chelsea special. I think it's on the back of an awful lot of history that it feels like in our lifetime it's always been there and it's always been the one big show. Behind all the glamour and the glitz, it's such a great showcase for horticulture. It's the one time in the year when we dominate the headlines and everybody gets to really look at just some fabulous plants and some amazing gardens. It's a really amazing feeling when you walk in, when the show is ready, especially if you've seen it during the build-up, when it's just a chaotic building site. But the sense of excitement you get just as people start coming in, the buzz and the way people are drawn to particular gardens and particular exhibits, it's a real sense of occasion, a sense of excitement. So this year's a big experiment with virtual Chelsea. What we're trying to do is something really exciting and different and we're trying to take advantage of the fact that when we go online we can connect with people individually so there's a chance now to engage with all kinds of gardeners and start a conversation between experts and celebrities and card designers Uh, so in fact actually through virtual Chelsea you probably get more opportunity to hear direct from the mouths of the people behind the show Whereas when you're at the normal Chelsea Flower Show, you're part of a big crowd. So it's, it's very much putting the audience at the heart of it.
Fiona Davison, who'll be back in the presenting seat for next week's podcast. Although we're now more than halfway through Virtual Chelsea, there's still plenty of great content to come on Friday and Saturday. So do keep checking back on the website for more to come. Especially on Saturday, we've got a day focused on gardening in small spaces and also balconies, window boxes and indoor plants. You can still catch up with anything you've missed from the previous days too. Like Fiona said, this year is allowing us to engage with you gardeners all over the UK even more. So please let us know which aspects you've been enjoying this week. Find the RHS on social media and tag your post, hashtag RHS podcast. For more information on everything in this episode, you can visit our programme page at rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast. I'll leave you in the capable hands of some Chelsea gardening greats. But for now, from me, Catherine Potsides, goodbye. You know, if we all connect with that little bit of earth just outside our home, that connects too with the wider world. It gives us an understanding of nature, a respect and a duty of care to the wider world and the landscape, which is so important. Without that, our world will crumble. So my first piece of advice is, like me now, just enjoy the green space around you. Even if it's a balcony, you know, spend time with it. Walking down the path in my garden, and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilise the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine, and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.